so weird um, starting an episode like this because, like with Lace, we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we just sit down and then it all just starts organically. Right. And then I have to, like here, I'm like, uh, did I miss anything? Like going over the notes that I <laughs> didn't write down for the episode. And I'm like, I guess we just do this now. I, so. mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we haven't been talking constantly for the last 20 some years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's all it really is. Uh, so, hi, everybody. Um, you're going to notice right away, especially if you've been on social media and you've been paying attention to that at all, uh, that Lacey is not here this week. Lacey is flying out to the homeland to go visit her family with the children. So, I've just been a crazy person in the house <laughs> by myself with no social interaction. Um, so, to re- alleviate the lack of social interaction, we have today Zach, who we have mentioned in other Hello. episodes. Zach is um, probably my bestest friend in the whole yeah. wide world, uh, outside of like my wife, maybe. <laughs> uh, brother from another mother. And there's there's no resentment there at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, so hopefully you'll be able to fill in for Lacey in an effective and uh, satisfying way. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I can live up. That sounded really <laughs> suggestive, like unnecessarily <laughs> suggestive. <laughs> Oh, well. (laughs) So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about uh, David Paul... Paul Man. (laughs) Paulides. Yeah, I... I, Yeah, we're talking about... Okay, yeah, we're talking about David Paulides. We're talking about... So, David Paulides is an author. He's he's a former uh, police officer who turned photographer, who turned Bigfoot researcher... Um, and he founded the North American Bigfoot Search, which was right. like a research project. And he wrote a series of books called Missing 411. Now, all of these books, uh, I think there's six in total, they cover some kind of mysterious disappearances in the United States, primarily in national parks. Um, right. And he has some criteria for what constitutes a mysterious disappearance, but um, we'll get into it. <laughs> What do you know about David Polides? Because we just, I think, before we started recording, just decided yeah. what his name was pronounced. Like, Polides. Polides. Yeah. Paulides. Pa- yeah, Polides sounds better. <laughs> it sounds almost like a like a Greek hero. Yeah, Polides. <laughs> uh, he goes and gets everybody coffee. He yeah. Goes, Thanks, Polides. <laughs> well, he's he's the son of Hermes. <laughs> or he's very laid back. Paul at ease. <laughs> uh. No, so yeah, I basically I read his Wikipedia page, so like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's extraordinary. That's, that's what I know about him. That's pretty good. Um, and then I watched the uh, the Hunted Missing Four One One documentary. Yeah, which is a sequel to the first Missing Four One One documentary, and the the Hunted one primarily focuses on that have gone missing in national parks all across the United States. I have actually read. Um, the North America, it's it's like the Pacific Northwest and Canada Missing 411 book. Uh-huh. I had to get it as a PDF. Uh, I found it on Chirp. They, they had a free <laughs> PDF. Because the books are obscenely expensive. Um, I haven't been able to find one that was under $100. Was it just like a limited like print run? or I don't know. He's an independent um, publisher. So, okay. so I think he kind of sets his prices. Uh, but yeah, I haven't found a single one that's under $100. Wow. So, and they're popular. I mean, they're, it's cool. I don't know if I pay $100. Yeah, don't. Um, the, uh, based on the PDF that I read, that is slightly overpriced. <laughs> slightly. I would pay tens of dollars 
<laughs> for this book. I would pay ones of dollars. Yeah, so, okay, so what we're going to get into is, like, what is the, the, the premise? The Missing 411 book series mm-hmm. and the documentaries, this is, like, his primary thing. And it largely it revolves around people that are going missing under... He claims it's mysterious circumstances, right. but it doesn't like, feel... Without a trace, in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, well, some of the people are also found. Right. Um, and he has a list of these hallmarks that all the cases have. Mm-hmm. He's researched 1,440 different cases over his career. And um, to his credit, because I know some people have, you know... We'll get into why some people don't really buy into what he's selling. Um, all the cases are real, and he has thoroughly investigated each and every one of them. So he's doing the work. Right. And this has attracted attention of a lot of people because it means that it's a uh, a strange phenomenon that can be analyzed and looked into analytically. Right, with data and stuff. Exactly. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more a little bit later about kind of why people don't really buy into what he's saying. But you have a lot of outdoor experience. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what, what your opinion is about people going missing in the <laughs> woods. Uh, well, so I went camping. I grew up camping with my family, uh, like in Colorado mountains and stuff. And we would do, um, our family trips were mostly like trailer camping. We did some tent camping, Mm -hmm. um, but it was all out in the national parks, all, um, you know, no, no phone, no plane, no motor cars. Um, (laughs) uh, and then I was in scouts as well. Um, growing up, I'm an Eagle Scout. Um, I got my Eagle Scout at 14. Uh, which, is Damn. A little, which is a little earlier um, than a lot of people do, um, but I was in a really active troop. Like that was kind of the focus was getting all the stuff. And, wow. Um, and we would do campouts every. We had a campout weekend every month. Um, the first weekend of every month, we'd go camping um, just as a whole troop. Like regardless of the season. Yeah. Holy hell. Um, and so uh, I have a lot of experience camping, a lot of experience uh, orienteering. You know, with survival stuff. Nice. That sort of thing. Orienteering, I love that. Yeah. It sounds like you you basically help people on their first day of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell them where, where the bathrooms are and how to punch in, uh, how to file complaints with HR. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's to clarify. That's finding your way around with a compass. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Uh, for our UK listeners who may not be uh, sort of familiar with the American Boy Scout program, mm-hmm. uh, Eagle Scout is like that's the next highest thing. Is like you're. A, you're a troop leader like right uh well no so eagle scout is like it's the top rank you can earn in scouts oh shit and you have to do it um when you're 18 you aren't in boy scouts anymore right um because it's just for for then kids. you're in man scouts <laughs> yeah well there's another thing called venture scouts um oh cool and they it's like a co-ed thing and you go hiking and doing the same stuff but it's it's more like it's not as like progression focused if i understand right i didn't do it no um because once you teared out on Boy Scouts, yeah. you're like, Psh, I'm done. Well, you know, I was 14 and like, you know. Basically achieved everything life had to offer. <laughs> I was, you know, I wanted to do other stuff. I was in band. I like, there were girls. And I was going to say. <laughs> and like hanging out with a bunch of dudes all the time. Camping wasn't as appealing. As so then you decided people. to hang out with a bunch of dudes in the basement. <laughs> playing yes. video games. And... But we weren't hot and there were no bugs. <laughs> <laughs> we were not hot. That is definitely true. <laughs> Thoroughly unhot people. <laughs> so, especially going on Colorado Mountains, because there are one of the things that one of the hallmarks of these cases of people going missing, you know, sort of mm-hmm. without a trace, is that they happen in clusters. 
And these are like serious shit. Like these clusters are, you know, uh, a 10 mile area right. where 80 people have gone missing mm-hmm. in a 25 year period. Like that's a lot of people. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't camp there. Yeah. <laughs> so w- as someone with that kind of outdoor experience, what does that sound like to you? Um, well, it sounds like it's probably a dangerous area to be in. Like well, just yeah. <laughs> presented with that information. Like I, that sounds like a dangerous area. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't go alone. Um, yeah. Definitely be using the buddy system. Yeah. The whole time. Um, that's a good call. <laughs> but like, that is a lot of people to go missing especially if like in the in the hunted documentary like they're all experienced outdoorsmen yes to if i understand what the people are saying yeah yeah and that's um the thing that intrigues me most about this mm-hmm. now here's the i don't necessarily buy into some of uh david Pauly's explanations of what could be happening mm-hmm. and we'll get into that but I, this feels like the X-Files and I love this. Like, yeah. I love the tone. I love the, he makes sort of this vague, he makes, he alludes to the he, fact that it's supernatural. Yeah. Well, and that was like, it's something weird. Cause only like one time in that documentary, do they say the word aliens and it's when they're in New Mexico. Yeah. And so they kind of, and it's like, he's like, well, what do you, what do people think it is? And he's like, well, they think it's alien stuff. Um, but <laughs> It, he definitely alludes to it being like, well, it can't be anything, you know, natural, natural, because all this stuff. And well, I don't know, maybe it could be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, let's let's talk about some of the the hallmarks that he describes uh-huh. of each disappearance. So one is they are usually very experienced, uh-huh. um, or they are children. Yeah. Then they uh, it's usually by a body of water, or. It's by a body of water or by, like, loose rock. I don't know why uh-huh. that's... I mean, wouldn't that be, like, you know... Well, they were walking around by loose rock. Yeah, they, they fell, fell, dude. <laughs> um, the other one is that they will... If they are recovered, they mm-hmm. are found in a place that had already been thoroughly searched. Uh, dogs are unable to find their scent. Yeah, which is super weird. Is um, it, though? Well, well, when I got to that point, like... Because he kind of rolls these out in, like, ascending order of weirdness. Yeah. Um, and so by the time we got to dogs can't find the sin, I thought, oh, it's, it's like a mountain lion and they took him up into a tree and that's yeah. why the dogs can't find them. That was kind of my impression was, yeah. And he says, well, either they can't find it or they can't keep the trail. And I'm like, well then, yeah. Like, yeah. Do they get to a tree? And then they go, <laughs> yeah, it stops here. And everyone goes up. Oh, well, they disappeared. They vanished into the earth. <laughs> it's Bigfoot. <laughs> Can someone look up in the tree and see if there's a coat up there? Or like a really nervous mountain lion. <laughs> 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 like covering his face with two branches. He's cover. He's wearing the jacket. Like, <laughs> looks bad for him. That's, uh, yeah. The dog one. At first, I thought, oh, that's really strange. But I looked mm-hmm. into it, and um, dogs actually don't have a great track record with this sort of thing. Like, ah. uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like Lace is here right now. Uh, and so, while I never expected dogs to have a one hundred percent accuracy rating, you mm-hmm. you would imagine that if a dog picks up a trail. It's going to lead to a body dead or alive, and that just doesn't happen. Right. Um, but I've seen movies, and I know that dogs have a hard time tracking scent over moving water. <laughs> that and, is that is the uh, common knowledge, and that happens a lot in these cases mm-hmm. uh, where the person has passed over some kind of you know body of water, and you know <laughs> the dog is like, I don't know what to do, and they're like, mysterious. Like, is it though? <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the other ones is that they don't find anything. They don't find clothing. They don't find articles from them. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, that one is... Except when they do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
except for the times when that's exactly what happens. <laughs> they do find those things. So to give a sort of a, a people a, a taste of what we're talking about, um, one of the first cases they talk about in the Hunted uh, documentary is Tom Messick, yeah, who was an experienced outdoorsman. Um, he Especially was a, in the space they were. Yeah. And he worked as a paratrooper in his youth. And I don't know if you know this about paratroopers, but they are some of the most surviving yeah. people in the world because their job is to parachute into enemy territory, mostly in the wilderness, and then move to a point, survive. Yeah, find their way. Yeah, and he taught this. So this is not just some old man wandering in the woods. Like, um, he had one eye mm-hmm. from, like, his time as a paratrooper, <laughs> and he was a hunter. He was, and they were hunting. It was him and uh, I believe it was his, his son. son was there, and then, like, two of their friends. Yeah, and they three. were going to a place that they had hunted at many, many times near a pond. Yeah, like, monthly. Yeah. They had, a like, a, a, a house that they, like... It was like a timeshare kind of thing. Like they Mm -hmm. owned it with a couple other families. And like a lot of the people that go missing who are hunters, there was like, I think they had a cache that was just like, here's where we're going to store some shit. Like Mm -hmm. we can meet up there. And they were going around a a small mountain and he went up. They were doing, um, it was like a sweep. Yeah. So he was one of the guys waiting. Yeah. Um, they had, they had the, there were like four guys and they went like a hundred yards away from each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And they just waited, and then the other guys came around like a pincher, and like we're gonna flush the elk or deer out. Yeah, and they said that they had found no deer, which was unusual. And yeah. that's another one of the the hallmarks. The hallmarks is that there's no wildlife. Yeah, none. And not just that there's no wildlife, but even the park rangers are like weirded out by it, mm-hmm. where they're like, "That's unusual." Yeah. Um. <laughs> that was one of the things that got me that I thought was kind of weird. Was like, well, I. We'll also, talk about yeah. what I think about that in a sec. So then um, they're looking for Tom. They can't find him. And the two guys that were there, his friend and his son, they both reported hearing a sound that was like a snapping sound that yeah. sounded like a trap. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what I think about that. <laughs> yeah. that's def- I think that definitely sits in the, like, the weird and spooky category yeah. of, like, I, I don't think we'll ever have an answer. I'm just trying to imagine, like... Like one of those spring net traps <laughs> and an old man just wandering onto a net like, what the hell is this? And he's caught and he's just up in a tree making no noise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not like, ah, or... Or any noise oops. at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, they... So they can't find him and then it starts to get dark mm-hmm. and they still don't find him. And his wife, his son calls his mom and is like, hey, he's missing. We're going to find him. We're just, you know... He was like, yeah, we're going to find him in like a few minutes. Uh-huh. Like he's just wandering around. The yeah, he told her not to come up. Yeah. And she was like, nope, bullcrap. I'm coming up. They fired off shots to help him mm-hmm. locate camp. And yeah, that's like a hunting, uh, like, like a standard practice. Kind of kind a standard. Of. It's well, it's older. I don't think they teach it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but because firing shots in the air, super dangerous. Yeah, that's um, true. Because <laughs> what goes up and it comes down, uh, you could hurt somebody or... Um, but like you could shoot into the ground or something. Yeah. Um, but it is like it's an old practice of like three shots in a row means I'm in trouble. Or if you're not the one in trouble, if you know someone's lost, three shots in a row is like something for them to like orient towards and go yeah. that way. I think also if I heard three shots in the woods, I would go, oh, the thing isn't dead. The thing he's trying to kill <laughs> is not dying. We must go find him. <laughs> 
Even if I didn't know that that was uh, a signal for danger, I would go, what the fuck is that guy fighting right now? Let's go see if he's okay. Like, I'm not going to help him because I don't have a gun. But in that situation, I probably don't have a gun. I'll bring my latte and and go (laughs) see what's happening. I'll be guns akimbo. Yeah. Both of us. Check out the zombie bear. And uh, (laughs) so they never found him. But not only did they never find him, they never found anything. And find his gun, which he would have dropped. Super weird something no no like clothes or anything yeah and i i I had this came to the same conclusion that like if a cougar or something got him or a mountain lion like if he can't shoot it he's probably gonna drop the gun because i like i'm not speaking from experience but like i feel like if you're getting eaten by a cougar that's fucking painful no no there is like that like if you you know go into like your fight or flight response and you're gonna fight then like the gun is your weapon. Like you might hold on to it for your life. That's true. But they would still probably find it somewhere. Eventually, he's gonna right? die and let it go. Yeah, which is a horrible sentiment. But I mean, yeah. that's that's the reality of it. And one of the park rangers that they interviewed even said, "A gun doesn't blow away. Yeah, wherever it lands, that's where it is." And uh, yeah, that's very very strange. That is another one of the weirdest things about it is they never find the weapon. Yeah, except for that one guy where they found all his stuff and then him. Yeah. That was, but it was weird enough to be included. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's another thing about the documentary is towards the end, it felt like he was trying to pad the time a little bit. Uh-huh. They were like, well, this one isn't related, but it's weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're like, okay. It was weird. It was super weird. And it's the one I think about the most. Yeah. Um, so with Tom Messick's case. Oh, and then there's another one uh, that wasn't in the documentary where this guy fell um, and he broke his left arm and his left leg. Uh, and... Uh, he made it out all right. That's super weird. <laughs> he made it out all all right, Jerry. Oh! All all right, oh. Jerry. Jerry, all right. His left stuff was gone. This, this is, is right. So much worse than Lacey being here. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Listening to the podcast, it's like being on the bench at a game. <laughs> it's like, put me in, coach. I got jokes. That's awful. <laughs> oh. Okay. But like her, um, I almost didn't realize it was a joke until it was too late. Because I assumed on a show you'd probably just talk. Yeah. <laughs> Be normal. So, anyway, going back to important things. Um, another strange thing about Thomas's case is they did the, the bump line search where yeah. they, they methodically gridded out the space and they did a thorough search multiple times from multiple directions. And they never found a trace of him. Yeah. And to this day, like, and this was in uh, 2015, I believe he was like 86. Like, yes, he, he was, was up there. Pretty old. Um, he had some issues with his hearing, and he had a little bit of issues with um, pain in his joints. Mm-hmm. But that's another one of the hallmarks: is that the missing people tend to either have a medical malady of some sort, or they have a um, an issue with their hearing or their sight. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> If you're limping around and can't really hear, I expect you to go missing in the woods. Like right. you're not at top form, you know. Not to not to be disrespectful to people that go missing, but like if you told me, yeah, he he was this you know ex para and he's an outdoor survivalist, but he can't really hear. He has one eye and he limps a bit, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so, so something don't, happened. Don't let him. him go off alone, right? Like I want him in my party if we get lost. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but uh, he probably shouldn't go off alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very fair. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, they never found Tom. Then, just 10 miles away, a little while later, another 
elderly, experienced uh-huh. hunter just went missing. From his house that time, right? Yeah. He was the only one home. He was the only one home. His wife came home and he was just gone. Yeah. And she had assumed that he might have gone out to go hunting or something like that, but just no trace. Yeah. Vanished. When all his stuff was there. Yeah. So this is sort of the flavor that a lot of these stories take mm-hmm. where there's just, um, you know, we don't know what happened. They just go away. And uh, one of the other hallmarks is that right as the person goes missing or right as the search begins, there is a weather event, which is a really fancy way of saying like a big it, storm or a blizzard or a sandstorm or something. Yeah. So that, that wasn't even the <laughs> sensor by Darude. That was I don't know. strong bad. I feel like, uh, I feel like the brothers chaps aren't going to copyright strike you, but maybe Darude will. So. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> oh no. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, now, let's get into a little bit of some of the things that the cases have in common and sort of what we think about that. Now, like we said before, he kind of alludes to the fact that this could be possibly supernatural. Mm -hmm. One thing I expected a lot more, especially from the book that I read and the documentaries, is him to talk about Bigfoot. Yeah, and he, well, that was like his like big break, right? Was yeah, that was Bigfoot guy. And into getting into writing, he wrote a book about it. That's what I thought he was going to talk about more mm-hmm. was that Bigfoot was involved in some way. Yeah, which, if you are a Bigfoot believer, that does make a lot of sense. It makes more sense than a, a cougar. It also makes more sense than any of the other explanations mm-hmm. that they offer. Yeah, um, and there was that one, uh, that one part of the documentary where they're talking about. Uh, he does get a little bit of Bigfoot uh, illusion in there at, yeah. at that one point where those people were talking about being at their camp and hearing the weird like sounds. Yeah. There was the private voices, basically how many guys, it was like seven guys and they had built a shelter in the woods out of like trees, Mm -hmm. not a cabin, like a little bushcraft shelter. Yeah. And they were basically like terrified for their lives Uh inside and they could hear, yeah, primate sounds like howling and yelling and what Mm -hmm. they described as language. And they would like repeat it back and it would come back to them. Yeah. And they had made recordings Mm -hmm. of it. And the recordings um, are pretty, pretty eerie. They're very eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel very much that it might've just been those guys. Could have been like, it sounds a lot like it could just be people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had the analyst who was, was like, like, no, it's too high and too low. Human beings are not capable of these noises. And I was like, have you, you ever heard of Freddie Mercury? Like, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, people can make some wild sounds, man. Um, and I don't, that guy, he was a, uh, a crypto linguist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, yeah. where do you get that certification? I want that right now. <laughs> Anytime I see someone in these documentaries that has some kind of bizarre from certification, like the university of Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want to get that to show how anyone can get that. <laughs> um, but he was a crypto linguist and he's like, I've been trained in all of the methods of human deception. And I was like, <laughs> that's dude, you're just out here interpreting monkey noises. You're not a secret agent. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> It was like, as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, this guy's insane. This right. is just crazy. Um, but yeah, he, he does dabble a little bit into the, it could be Bigfoot. And they do talk a little bit about aliens. Um, the aliens that they talk about are crazy. It's like a beam of light. Mm. Um, oh, there was the orb one. The orb. Uh, and they, they talk about some stories at the end that were like, this is weird. <laughs> and one of them was that lady who was out hunting uh-huh. and it was like a nice, coolish summer evening. And she had like the sun in her eye, but she thought it wasn't the sun. 
uh-huh. and she took a picture and there was like obvious glare from the uh-huh. sun but then remember picture. taking the picture yeah and then uh the guy was like yeah and it changed the resolution too yeah and was... well and then she claims that she saw essentially the predator she saw this oh yeah sort of translucent creature moving from tree to tree that she said looked like saran wrap <laughs> And I was like, okay, that's weird. So you watched uh, the Predator and had a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> possibly. But then she gets home and her kid, her son, who was at band practice, mm-hmm. says that the entire um, band, the whole school band, saw like a light above the field. Yeah. And then disappeared. And at this point she says, oh, you know what? I almost forgot to tell you. I thought I saw a saran wrap monster in the woods. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you forget about that? Yeah, like... I would call you right away and be like, dude, I just saw a thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I would be the first thing out of my mouth when I got home. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, how distracting is her personal life? And then I would not shut up about it for like a month. (laughs) (laughs) I've only watched a documentary and I've told every person I know about this particular part of the documentary. It's (laughs) it's outrageous. Um, And so that whole fact that she was like, oh, you saw something? Oh, that's right. I also saw something really goddamn weird. (laughs) Um, so they do talk about that in the books. He talks about a lot of things, um, fairies, kidnapping people, like them wandering into a fairy circle and vanishing, which jives with folklore, but not, you know, reality, um, (laughs) aliens, ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually really love the idea of like, just, just as like a story of someone just being spirited away Uh by a ghost in the forest. Yeah. That's really spooky. And then what if it's like an evil ghost lord who lives in the forest and then he's like the, the ghosts are capturing more people and turning them into ghosts and it's like this big they're raising an army and then eventually the the ghost lord of the crazies will come out the crazies <laughs> the is, mountains is the mountains yeah yeah and will come out and take over the valley see when you said ghost lord i thought of papa emeritus from the band ghost <laughs> and i was like <laughs> How freaked out would you be if you saw him walking around the woods in his full, like, anti-Pope regalia? Oh, my God. Like you said, uh, in, like, the, I think it was in the vampire episode where you were talking about, like, I don't know which would be more scary. Is yeah. like, seeing a ghost or seeing just a dude in a robe. Imagine you're in the search party and you're doing, like, the bump lines and mm-hmm. you're, you're all walking, you know, in the line. And you guys just all happen upon the lead singer from Ghost in his full makeup. And he's just like, oh, hey, what, what's up? And they're like, um, have you seen an old guy out here? And they're like, uh. No, I was just recording nature sounds. No, I was recording apes. And they're like, that's his jacket. Why are you wearing his jacket? I gotta go. Like, They made a lot of these jackets. <laughs> in this bizarre scheme to turn a profit, they made more than one. Maybe you should look into it. Like, Yeah, so that's ridiculous. Um. And the other thing is he doesn't himself (laughs) he doesn't himself talk about it saying this is what I think it is Mm -hmm. Um, in his documentary and in his books he will just have like a weird non sequitur quote from somebody Uh, one of them was uh, in the in the one that I read was about um, someone said well you know there's a lot of people say there's Lemurians underneath uh, this place maybe the Lemurians got him and I had I'm I'm familiar with what that is. I am not. Please enlighten me. So (laughs) Lemurians are a people that were first described in the 1800s uh, by this guy. He was like a, like a philosopher and it was, they are people who live underground. They look like humans and they are from Lemuria, a fictional continent. Okay. That's it. (laughs) 
So essentially, it's like mole people yeah. from like the time machine, like the Morlocks from X Men. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> he, this person that he's interviewing in the book, she basically is just like, eh, it's weird. Maybe it was underground mole people. <laughs> and he was like, well, that's going in the book. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, w- one of the things I don't like about David Polides is as as an investigator. He's so frustrating because he is a really good investigator. He asks really important questions and he documents things um, very, very thoroughly. thoroughly. And one of the things that frustrates me is he joins this group of people in this sort of part of the paranormal community that are just asking questions. Yeah. I'm just asking questions. I'm not I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm not accusing Bigfoot of shenanigans. I'm just asking questions. He goes, that's fine. But you have to understand that when you frame your questions a certain way, they imply answers. Yeah. And that's what's happened in the documentary. Are, and that's what's happened in the books. There are some leading questions where it's like... Oh, yeah. He's just trying... He wants it to look like something spooky. Yeah. And I mean, I understand the human need for that to happen mm-hmm. because we, we do want things to be fantastical. Yeah. We do want that escapism in the real world. But these are real people that have really gone missing. And it's... Probably by mundane means. Uh-huh. And I would be furious. Absolutely. If my father goes missing and this dickhead is like, it could have been fairies. And I'm like, I, what? Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, this poor guy's memory. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I understand, like, we're joking about it and stuff. But at the same time, like, I'm not proposing that any of this is actually what happened. Right. I'm very aware that there's no freaking way that Papa Meredith was in the forest kidnapping hunters. Like, right. But... This guy kind of does mm-hmm. um, put that forward. Um, so there was a uh, there's a podcast called Data Skeptics that I highly recommend. You they take don't a look believe at. that Brent Spiner was in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't believe that he's capable of human emotions. <laughs> what it's really at. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this podcast. Well, yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna say I'm gonna go on a tangent about data right now. We gotta stop. <laughs> I shouldn't this. have brought Star Trek up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you better be. So uh, Data Skeptics is um, by this guy Kyle Pollock who also wrote an article for the Skeptical Inquirer. I think he might work for the Skeptical Inquirer, um, which is one of my favorite publications. Um, That's where the uh, sort of the best, like if you want to look at really crazy things, Mm -hmm. but you actually want to see what it could really be, that's where you go. Um, That's where Joe Nickel, one of my favorite, he's like one of my personal idols. He's been a long time contributor. And what uh, Kyle Pollock does in his spare time is he's a data science analyst and... um, uh, consultant. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I, I thought I read it. I thought I wrote it down. I didn't. Um, <laughs> and what he does is he he saw these cases and he was like, "This is really amazing. Mm-hmm. It's I can analyze this. It, we can go through this in a methodical way." So he um, created a like a little thing that would just give him random pages to pull, and he would pull a random page and then he would read the story and then he would verify it. Okay. And he found that 100% of the time, the case that was being described in any of the books was 100% verifiable. And again, this is one of those things about this that pulls me in. Uh-huh. But what he could not find was what made them mysterious. Mm. He found that the um, circumstances surrounding the people going missing were not statistically weird. Uh, there actually isn't really anything weird about most of them. That a lot of times what you're seeing is uh, people going missing in places where statistically people go missing. Right. Um, the things especially that if you go off alone, spe- exactly. Especially if you go off alone, especially in a place where there's, you know, uh, known to have mountain lions, 
Um, a lot of places where there's known to have loose rock, uh, if you mm-hmm. go just a little bit off the trail. Um, the things that were weird that uh, Kyle Pollock said was like, this is strange, but it's not, you know, it's not spooky strange, <laughs> is like in Tom Messick's case, uh, at some point during the investigation, two FBI agents showed up. Yeah. And they were monitoring the search. They weren't participating. And um, as a general rule, the FBI does not do missing persons case for mm-hmm. adults. So what were they doing there? And in the documentary, he says that they, when they're monitoring something like that, it means that they're feeding information to someone nearby who's a part of the agency. Uh-huh. And they're seeing that if the data that's being collected there correlates with another case they're working on. And I looked it up. That is true. That is actually what they do. So this was very odd. Um, the FBI agents interviewed other people in town, mm-hmm. interviewed people that were involved in the search, and they were asking questions, but they weren't offering any answers. Oh. So it's very, very strange. Spooky. Yes. And the other weird thing uh, they talked about a couple of times was with the boots, how the boots yeah. were taken off yeah. and set next to each other very neatly and then left. The thing that's really weird about that is the fact that he brings that up as being strange and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Because it's not. It's a well doc. It's a paradoxical undressing. It's a well documented phenomenon when people are experiencing hypothermia, where they will suddenly start to take off their clothes because uh, their brains are confused from the. Basically, uh, yeah. Well, like your the, your your body suddenly becomes very hot because mm-hmm. you're hypothermic. Um, this is actually most famously uh, documented in the Dyatlov Pass incident, where it was a bunch of hikers in Russia. They found like the mm-hmm. remains of their camp, or like the, the tent had been torn apart, uh-huh. and their tongues were missing, and yeah. they were all naked, and like it was yeah, there was paradoxical undressing happening because it was so cold. Um, basically, I think they got caught in a blizzard, and they they mostly froze to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, they explained away like the missing tongues and eyes on animals because those are the softest parts of your face, so it's the first thing to get eaten. Right. Uh, but this is a well documented phenomenon, especially. When you're talking about national parks that have cold mountains uh-huh. or, or just are, you know, in, like in Colorado, just in the winter, um, this is something park rangers would be familiar with. This is something national right. parks would be familiar with. Um, and that actually brings me to the other thing that uh, uh, that Paulides puts forward as very strange about these cases, and I actually don't think it's strange, is that the National Park Service and the park rangers, they don't really document any of this. Hmm. And he kind of implies that they're hiding something. Yeah. But I think that the the police that police the national parks are understaffed. Oh, probably for sure. And they have so many people going missing. They're just like, yeah, it's <laughs> the wilderness. Be fucking careful. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what would help is if you all just stuck together. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's not like the. Uh, it feels like what he's expecting is for the national park service to get a bunch of rangers together to try and identify some sort of mysterious serial killer mm-hmm. that's killing people in the parks. And it's like, they know that that's not what's happening. I think they're like, yeah, person got eaten by a cougar person mm-hmm. got attacked by a bear person fell in a hole. Like it happens, you know? And it and, could be, that's the other thing about cougars is their, their territory is like, it is like 50 miles. Yeah. Like, well, what's strange too is all the uh, the clusters that he uh-huh. references. They're about that big. Yeah, they're all about cougar-sized territory. Like, so for the ones that aren't cougars or that are like that could be cougars, it's probably cougars. Yeah, well, especially since cougars don't they pull prey up into trees yeah. to eat them. 
So they're like, we didn't find a single trace. And it's like, well, <laughs> did you climb the trees? Did you look in the trees? <laughs> but to their credit, I have seen cases while I was doing my research for mm -hmm. this where people are dragged off and that's when they lose boots and things like that. Yeah. Now, going back to that, when they do find people, because they have found a few, um, there was one where they found a woman who was in a creek naked. Uh-huh. That was weird. And that was, I mean, it's paradoxical yeah. dressing. But they do find them always missing shoes or another article of clothing. Mm -hmm. and I'm always thinking, is that tr truly weird, though? Yeah. Well, I guess if it happens enough, then it isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my point. He's like, I've looked at 1,400 cases. And they're all, when they get found. Maybe that's normal thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, well, how often does it have to occur before you're like, no, that works. That, that works out. That's pretty normal. Um, the weather thing is kind of weird, but at the same time, like you're talking about places where there just is regular weather. And like you, I think what he's saying is they go missing and then weather begins. It's like, I think inclement weather conditions are part of why we couldn't find yeah. them. I don't think it's that, you know, some kind of conspiracy to muddle the investigation with weather like that's <laughs> ridiculous like, it's like if you were gonna have a picnic and it rained and you were like someone's trying to stop oh, the that picnic damn weather wizard yeah <laughs> it's like i think maybe it just rained and it's weird that it happened at a certain time but that's what the nature of coincidences mm -hmm. um so i want to talk really quick about to me the weirdest case and i think to you probably mm -hmm. the weirdest case is one that he talks about at the end with um it was a bow hunter and mm -hmm. his friends, and they're gonna go hunt elk. Which, bow hunting elk sounds freaking terrifying. Yeah, elk are huge. They're huge and scary, and they could kill you. Yeah. Like if you miss, and they know. Like, I met a guy once who'd been gored by an elk. We met him in Colorado when we were camping. He was alive. And he was alive. Oh. but like. Was, oh, I thought you meant like he had been gored, and you were just like, "Hey, what happened?" <laughs> we like, found him on the trail, and he was like, "Oh, hi." I was like, "Wow, you are so casual. How have I never heard this?" Story? No, he talked about it, and like he was like, "Yeah, like don't every like, chance he gets, probably don't go off alone, and yeah. don't go near the elk." Yeah, because they're just bears with antlers. Really, they're, they're yeah. massive. Yeah, so he he it was him and his three friends. They were going to meet up for a hunt. They mm -hmm. met in this this ridge in the Crazies in Montana. <laughs> Uh, the crazy mountains and it's called that um i think it's just because it's like a little lump of mountains yeah well they say it's like the youngest mountain range oh wow in on the continent i think that's what they said that's pretty cool um yeah it is kind of cool and then the, you know there's a whole bunch of legends that they talk about that yeah yeah it's, they're that a little are not appropriate <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well so we'll get into what happens with the yeah. poor gent so then we'll talk about that but um they said that uh, they, they all got up there. So he was going to mm -hmm. go hunt with his friends. And the first yeah. thing that happens is the two friends go off to the peak and yeah. he goes off on his own. Yeah. And I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Apparently he's going to stay like near the truck and then they're going to come back. Yeah. I, I guess really maybe so that like they have more chances, like so they don't have to share one elk or something. I don't know. Well, I think they were but... going up to the peak to scope out elk in the area, mm. but that doesn't make sense why he would not also they should go all go them. together. So he went to a blind that he had set up that wasn't too mm -hmm. far away, and he never came back. Yeah. Um, and the, they were just like, hey, what's going on? They're honking a horn. Mm -hmm. And his wife said that... Oh, isn't that the one where they also had the... They called it a horse wreck on yeah. the way up, and he had lost some of his stuff, and so he was supposed to go to a, a cache yeah. to get like a new sleeping bag and stuff. Yeah, and that's where they thought he might have went. Mm -hmm. um, but then when they brought sniffer dogs up there... Mm -hmm. uh, which I guess all dogs are sniffer dogs to some degree. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I made that. That Anyway, 
um, that they were able to follow his trail from the car to the blind, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Which is strange, but you know, it's not that unusual, really. Yeah. I-, I looked at like dogs finding stuff, and yeah, apparently, like it's not super accurate. It's <laughs> they do their best, but they're just dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife said, "Well, he wouldn't have walked very far. He uh-huh. didn't like to walk." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Why would he go bow hunting?" If he doesn't like to walk. And maybe that's true. But it just sounded really strange to me that like, uh-huh. no, he didn't like walking at all. He wouldn't have walked far. And it's like, that just that just seems weird. Like, I love the outdoors. I just hate walking. Like, yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And th- so they never found him. But what they did find was his backpack leaned up against a tree. Uh-huh. And his bow. And that was up. later. That Way was like at the later. end of this whole thing. Like mm-hmm. a really long way away. Yeah, yeah, very far away. It was after they had found... So it was like, they were looking for him. He went off to that cache, Mm -hmm. which was like off to like the northwest, I think. Well, they Um, think he went there. Right. But yeah. Well, because when they called him, they had those GPS phones. Yeah. Um, And the GPS phone like shows your location on it when you're talking Mm -hmm. to somebody. And so they called him and he didn't answer, but it got a response from the... Like it Mm -hmm. showed where the phone was and it was over at the cache. That's crazy. So his phone made it over to the cache, whether he did or not. Yeah. Um, it uh, He ended up, like, way off to the northeast. Yeah. Um, like, up this valley. Well, and what's really strange is this is a place that they hunted regularly. Uh-huh. So and, he would know kind of the area. Yeah. Um, and then where they found his backpack, and uh, they found, like, a, a, a thermos there, too. Well, no, uh, that was that was in a slightly different place. They were near to each other, but mm-hmm. they weren't like they found that's his right, backpack right. and his bow by a tree. Uh-huh. And then there was a rock and mm-hmm. they found his thermos, a cup and an energy drink. And they assumed that he had been sitting on the rock drinking uh-huh. the energy drink. And they said from where he was, not only could he see a road, he could see he, a house, he could see a house, he could see town, basically. Uh-huh. So if he was lost, he went off the other way. Yeah, he went off the other way. And then it's like. A long time yeah. later, they haven't found him. And there's some people that are just up there having a good old time. And someone goes, oh, hey, look, there's a skull under that tree. Yeah. And it is his, well, they assume it's his skull, uh-huh. bleached white. They apparently were not able to do any kind oh, of really? DNA analysis of it to confirm that it was him. And they also found a pelvis and they found, I think, an arm. Yeah, um, they didn't find any feet. No feet. Uh, I, yeah, in the interview with the sheriff, yeah. they were like, did you find any shoes? And he's like, no. Because we did not find feet, and well, no, he said it so They found weirdly. his boots like right away, because of the oh, undressing yeah, thing. Because they right. found on the way to where he, where they found him, they had found like a little campsite, like a fire pit. Yeah. Um, and then his jacket, I think. Yeah. Some more of his stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like six and a half miles from where he was supposed to be. Yeah. And it had snowed heavily. Uh huh. And they were like, yeah, they got like two feet of snow. Yeah, and they were like, there's no way he walked through the valley barefoot mm-hmm. for six miles. and well, Maybe his feet fell off. Maybe that's why they didn't find his feet. Oh, yeah. That's weird. Maybe he got frostbite. That is so weird. Um, yeah, could have got frostbite, yeah. Uh, well, one of the things about that case that I thought was really like telling was there's a part of the trail that he would have to have gone on to get to where they eventually think he, he died. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, it's a very narrow trail, and it's nothing but razor-sharp, yeah. loose rock that leads straight down into this little gully. So they were like, if you're not careful, you would fall down. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he fell down the valley. Like, that's what happened. 
Um, and they, they interviewed one of the people that lived near to the mountains, and they said that, like, basically, if you go downhill, you'll, it'll lead somewhere. That the mm-hmm. mountains are, they're, they're by themselves, so it's not like you'd get stuck on a range. You would eventually lead to somewhere, so it's really hard to get lost in them. Uh-huh. Um, but it was such a strange case. It is a weird one. They were like, well, we found all his stuff, and we found in a, a spot. In, like, a trail, like a breadcrumb trail, almost. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was first... Because uh, that was one of the stories that was in the, the, the book that I'd read about the Northeastern Canada or the Northwestern Canada. And I remember reading it and thinking, he just bailed. Mm-hmm. He just he just was like, I'm starting a new life. Bye. Yeah. And then they found all these remains. And I'm like, what if he left stuff to make it look like he had gone missing? Mm. And then they just happened to find someone else who had gone missing up there. And it wasn't actually him. Because they couldn't identify it. Yeah, they couldn't identify yeah. it. So it's like... Maybe that happened. Maybe he was just like, I'm done. Like, I'm Maybe. out. Because um, that happens. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot, actually. Uh, you see that with people, um, uh, they, they call them like uh, time slips. Where uh, So there's two different kinds of time slips. There's the ones where people are like, you know, um, taking a walk down like Bourbon Street. And all of a sudden it's the 20s. Uh-huh. And then they're like, oh my God. And someone's like, what are you doing here, Mr. Future Man? And then they go back to the, I don't know why the person in... <laughs> Bourbon Street had that accent. <laughs> and then they go back to the future and no one believes them. But there's also the ones I've heard where people will like be walking through the woods and then they wake up in there in LA mm-hmm. and they're like, oh my God, how did I get here? And I think what happens is they bail to go start a new life and then someone identifies, they find them and they go, oh, oh, how did I get here? <laughs> like, is what I think. I touched happens. a rock and then I was in Scotland and yeah. that. <laughs> 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 Gotta get back to America. Yeah, that's kind of what I think happens. Um, I'm not totally convinced by that case. I don't really yeah. think that that's what's going on. But, but it's super interesting, and it's like of all the ones in the the documentary, I was just like, that's that's the one, the one that really got my attention. <laughs> um, so it really is. Uh, when you look at all these cases together, he's trying to. It really feels like um, he's trying to take data and make it fit an assumption mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and what I think is really great about this is he answered his own questions in his books. Because he talks about these, you know, 15, 1,400 mm-hmm. cases. And there's all these things that are super unusual. And I'm like, right, but are they, though? Like, if it happens in most of them, isn't it a common factor rather than an anomaly? Right. And that seems to be this sort of cognitive dissonance in his work. Uh, because he doesn't take a stance on it. In interviews, because he does radio, he does podcasts, yeah. he does, um, he goes to the MUFON convention, which is like UFO convention. Okay. And he, when he's asked directly, what do you think is happening? He won't give an answer. And he can't. Right. If he gives an answer, the books don't sell anymore. Uh-huh. Because the books, the intrigue of the books is the mystery. It's really what I love about the story. It's uh-huh. like the mystery. Yeah. I don't want it to be solved, really. Like, as a, as a reader, um... For the sake of these people, yeah, there's no closure, and it, you know, obviously, we need to find what happened to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, someone put forward that it was sinkholes, that a sinkhole mm. happens, and then you know, quicksand, quicksand. We were all warned about it. That's true. We spent a lot of time in our childhood being concerned with quicksand, and then I've never seen it in real life. Mm. I'm not even totally convinced that it's a real thing. That it's actually just like a phenomenon that people call quicksand, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm really skeptical about quicksand. Um, and That's that, what the next episode should be about. Is quicksand. quicksand. <laughs> Your five minute episode. <laughs> it is real. Turns out I Googled it. So 
Um, no, well, then, uh, like, with Tom Messick, his case, they said, well, what if it was sinkholes? And that's the sound that they heard. Oh, But yeah. there's, um, the thing is, sinkholes are actually highly documented. If they occur in an area, that area is, like, scoured by geologists and seismologists. And because, like, we don't want them to just randomly happen. Right. So they're actually very closely monitored, like where they can happen, where they have happened, and where he went missing. There's no record whatsoever of any sinkholes. We had a little one here in town a couple of years ago. Yeah, that and was weird. Now they're like monitoring the whole town because <laughs> they're like, well, we don't want that to happen again. Um, I know that there's some evidence put out in the books that show evidence. There's data put out in the books that show that a lot of these missing persons cases happen to coincide with the locations of major cave systems in the United States. Mm -hmm. And the implication that he creates with that is that something comes out of the caves and snatches people up. (laughs) But what I'm hearing is people are falling in holes and disappearing into a cave system. And that's what happens. Uh, Why is that not good enough? Yeah. That's also very interesting and crazy. And yeah, worth exploring like is wilderness not intriguing enough that you have to make up monsters like saran wrap monsters and stuff like (laughs) can't we just be like isn't it crazy that you could just go missing and no one will ever find you isn't that interesting and scary and intriguing and isn't our world fantastic in a terrifying way they're like no it's probably bigfoot it's like come on man i believe in bigfoot but I don't think Bigfoot has anything to do with this. Like, <laughs> I'm advocating for Bigfoot. I don't think Bigfoot had anything to do with these missing persons. You don't cases. want to cheapen it. <laughs> I want it to stay pure. If you just put Bigfoot in everything, no one will believe it when it's crying wolf. That's true. Or when they find him, like he's immediately arrested because they have so much explaining <laughs> to do. Like we need to question you in about 1,400 missing persons cases. <laughs> Paperwork's gonna take forever. <laughs> he's just like whoa, whoa. <laughs> Oh, he's masking up. I like that. Good oh, yeah, job, yeah. Bigfoot. <laughs> so Even Bigfoot can do it. <laughs> so easy a Bigfoot can do it. That, that'll be offensive in 20 years. It's true. Um, so what we were talking about a little bit before, the reason that one of the possible explanations for the last case we talked about where they, they found him all over the place. Uh, some people said that the crazy mountains were called the crazy mountains because, and this is in the documentary, mm-hmm. the Native Americans that live there put a curse on it on the mountains so that it would drive white people crazy and she believes that that's what happened yeah she said that's the one i believe and i was like girl (sighs) no you don't you don't believe that don't say that out loud especially on tv (laughs) yeah so just for the record that's that's not what happened that is not (laughs) the thing and that's (laughs) offensive yeah so what do you think about the missing 411 cases. What do you think is happening? You know, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of it's probably mountain lions. Yeah. Um, and there are weird ones. And I think a lot of those are just people getting lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's, you can move surprisingly far. If oh, yeah. you like, if you're not paying attention, like just on a hike, mm-hmm. you can go way off course. Especially day hikes. Uh-huh. Um, day hikes, I learned during my research, are the most dangerous uh, outdoor outings because people go, well, I'm only going to go out for a quick day hike. And so they, they don't beca- take anything. They don't take anything, right. They're and the most least of these prepared. people are like, they go out prepared, mm-hmm. but they leave all their stuff at camp or at the truck. Yeah. And then they just go out to hunt with like their jacket and maybe a backpack with some snacks mm-hmm. and their gun. Yeah. And... Nope. No, you need to be prepared the whole time. I also think that 
no amount of experience can account for poor footing. Yeah. Like you can be the most experienced person on earth, but if you slip, you slip. Like uh-huh. gravity's not going to give you a mulligan because you know what you're doing. Like, yeah. It's like that old quote, like no, no, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Like no, yeah. no plan survives contact with the outdoors. Like right. something, anything go on. You can have a freak storm. You can get snow in July. And yeah. if you're not prepared, you're boned. Well, and that's like, um, uh, Jesse Krebs that she, she's like a kind of like, uh, Tom Messick she's like a para trainer mm-hmm. and that's her whole thing it's like these are the skills you need to get out but you might not like mm-hmm. she even she who is an expert is also just like you can't predict what's going to happen out there this is these are to give you a fighting chance these are not yeah. to guarantee your survival mm-hmm. and like there's a reason we all live in houses and towns and stuff right like, <laughs> like, we're not in here because it's fun. We're in here because it's way not fun out there. Like, because <laughs> you could die, and and people often do. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the same mind. I think really it's people slipping and falling. I think it's people, mm-hmm. um, especially you know a lot of the cases that were outlined in the documentary and in the book that I read. Like, it even the thing the hallmarks that he points out. He's like they're near bodies of water. They're near valleys, and I'm like, how does that not sound like that's what's happening like mm-hmm. they're just slipping and falling and drowning or slipping and falling and freezing to death getting you know succumbing to the elements in the documentary he points out that there was the woman who died and the coroner said that there was no physical evidence to suggest that she died of hypothermia but that's what he was going to put down as the cause of mm-hmm. death and it's like and he's like well that's suspicious and it's like well no it's not like it's occam's razor like yeah if if she was naked in a very cold climate and dead, but it doesn't look like hypothermia. The only and, and it doesn't look like drowning. Yeah, the simplest explanation is hypothermia. Mm-hmm. So just go with that. Like, there's no stab wounds or anything. There's no evidence of an animal attack. Like, I don't think it's suspicious. I think it's like this is you know we have to put a cause of death. This is the best guess based mm-hmm. on the evidence that's provided. It's not like he said, well, it doesn't look like murder, so <laughs> I'm going to say murder. <laughs> you know, like it's not like. <laughs> It's he's just saying like man I don't know like yeah. she's dead and cold in a river naked, paradoxical undressing is associated with hypothermia. Otherwise, her body doesn't look like it experienced hypothermia. Um, yeah, I especially after um, listening to uh, Kyle Pollock talk about the data that is associated with missing people in general and associated with these cases, there's really not anything very mysterious. It's just he's framed it in a way by just asking questions yep. that makes it sound more mysterious because he allows you to make assumptions. Yeah, He asks a question but doesn't provide an answer so that you'll come up with an answer. And in his book, he does that a lot, especially with his interviews where he'll say something and then uh, he'll say he'll say like, well, we're not really sure what happened. And then he'll just throw in this weird non sequitur quote from a local who's right. like, I think it was the Lemurians. <laughs> and he's just like, hmm, how about that? And I it's think like, it was the lizard people. Yeah. And we're like, no, dude, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> provide some context here. Elvis and Bigfoot came and took him. <laughs> and it's so frustrating <laughs> because he does do so much work and then he doesn't. Yeah. It's it's frustrating to see him not use his powers for good. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. I have more jokes. Can I tell you my jokes? Oh, fuck yeah. I didn't get to put them in. Okay. That's <laughs> was, what she said. There, was, <laughs> there, there wasn't a good segue. Uh, what, do you, what do you call a deer that can write with both hands? What? Bambi Dexterous. I hate that so much. Because <laughs> I imagine him taking the hooves off and having dainty little hands underneath that he uses to write. Like little baby hands. <laughs> yeah. They're so soft. 
Yeah, and the inside of the hooves have little handles for him to hold on oh, to. Oh, yeah. So the, like, no, not auto yet. Yeah. Move no, on. Next I'm on joke. board. This is I canon. hate this. This is canon. <laughs> He's a stenographer listening to Papa Emeritus as he wanders through the woods. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, uh, so, you know, uh, if you see a, a deer acting crazy and you, you shoot that deer in the woods, uh, you should make sure to cook it very thoroughly. Okay. You know why? No. Because you shouldn't eat raw cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a stretch. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Okay. <laughs> now that I derailed the podcast. Collect myself here. <laughs> so you can get at us at Hardly Paranormal um, on Instagram. That is where I'm the most active. Or you can get us at Hardly Paranormal on Facebook. We have a group and a page where Lacey post things on occasion uh you can also uh check us out on twitter at harley paranormal with a y and you can email us at harley paranormal at gmail.com you want to email us drawings or ideas suggestions for future episodes um lacy's here is lacy's not here so i can say please stop sending us drawings <laughs> of penises uh and i would be remiss in my duty if i did not say no please keep sending them <laughs> <Fucking asshole. laughs> um uh, yeah, or send us pictures of what you think is in the woods. Yeah, Papa Meredith. If you, yeah, if you want to draw Papa Meredith and his stenographer deer with baby hands. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so I've been Jerry. I've been Zach. And remember, it's probably just mountain lions, really. Probably. <laughs>